Hello, I'm Katie Piper, and welcome to my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Each episode, I'll meet an amazing person with an incredible story who faced adversity and came through the other side to inspire others. I'm joined in the studio today by a woman who has been through some of the toughest things that life can throw at you. A hugely successful presenter, she came to fame 20 years ago when her nude image was projected onto the Houses of Parliament. She went on to host Top of the Pops, The Big Breakfast and Live and Kicking, amongst other shows, and is currently filming a BBC documentary. I'm going to let her tell us all about her life more recently. It is Gail Porter. Welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Do you know what? I'm, uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Gail Porter. Hello. I'm from Edinburgh. And it's so <laughs> wonderful to be with Katie today. Thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, we have met in a couple of situations. Yeah. I'm a big admirer of yours and you are a very wonderful person. And so thank you very much for having me. I love that your intro was about me. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Let's about talk you. about you. It's the episode about you. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm always drawn to your story for lots of different reasons and... Um, I'm totally uh, making assumptions here and I always assume because it's a visual thing alopecia that people always want to talk to you about alopecia and the reason I'm drawn to your story isn't alopecia and it's actually like these parallels of our lives of you were kind of in a similar world to me once upon a time that was based on kind of aesthetics and glamour and it was kind of I don't know if taken from you is the right word or or it changed, but almost very quickly. And I always separate my lives into two. And I and I don't I don't know if you have the same thing, but I always relate to you and, and I could be totally wrong in in um, that. Do you know what? Um I don't I don't know how to sort of relate this to you, but you I mean, you are amazing. What you went through has got nothing to do with what I went through. I lost my hair. It's all you, relative. You went, but... No, but you went through a horrendous, like, horrible thing that happened to you because of someone. And but it's I, the emo- it's the, yeah. it's the loss, isn't it? It's I the know, emotions. But you are and... way stronger than me, my no, friend. It's not. <laughs> it's not a competition. Yeah, yeah. No, but you win. You, you know. win. But um, yeah, I think. Do you know what? I, I've got to that stage now that the older I get, and you know, my daughter's seventeen now, and you've got your. Yeah, I've got two girls, yeah. I know. And they're young. But you just have to say to them every single day, do you know what? We rock. Mm. We absolutely rock. doesn't matter what happens. You lose your hair. You have someone being mean to you. The fact that you've asked me to come on to this, I was, I was, I was a bit overwhelmed. I, was like, I thought you wouldn't come. <laughs> I was like, she won't come. She's probably fed up with doing interviews. She won't want to be on oh the podcast. Oh, my God, I could not <laughs> think of anyone nicer to sit and chat to. You know, alopecia isn't everything you are there's so many layers to you and actually when I kind of read up about you I think it's really hard what you've been through with the hair loss but that's not everything you've been through you've been through lots of other things that maybe aren't as visual yeah there's been I've just um I've just finished a documentary for BBC One which is all about um, mental health what's it going to be called uh, it's called Gil Porter Mental Health and Me you know sometimes you go to the doctors and they'll go well, you've got bipolar. Oh, no, you've got this. No, you've got that. And then they come out with like five different diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And then they go home and they think, well, 
what am I? Yeah. I don't know. So this whole documentary was just to sort of speak to people and go, do you know what? You don't need a title. Right. But also were those people to... section that you were with? Or no, no, no. These, these were just like people in the doctors. Community. And right. yeah, there were some that were sectioned. Yeah. There was like, it was a whole array of different people. Right. For me personally, because, you know, I was sectioned. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. When was, was that then? I was sectioned in 2011. Mm-hmm. Voluntary or involuntary? Involuntary. Right, okay. Yeah. Basically, I, I went to Hampstead Heath and I phoned up um, um, an ex-boyfriend and I said, do you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. My mind is not helping me. I don't mm. know. And um, instead of phoning a doctor, he phoned the police. And then the police came and picked me up and they said how are you doing and I said I just I, I don't know mm. and so yeah they took me to um the Royal Free Hospital which was in um Belsize Park mm-hmm. and then I was a little bit aggressive yeah understandably though that's because I was a wee that's, bit, I, that's real mental health though it's not it's not all fluffy and nice posters it, it is aggressive and well I got I just got a wee bit angry with everyone just thinking mm-hmm. does no one understand what I'm going through mm-hmm. and then instead of like calling my doctor or you know a family they just said do you know what we're gonna lock you up for 28 days how frightening yeah it was terrifying and I got in there and um yeah it was just like the oldest thing ever. What a um, huge loss of control. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was like, you can't talk to anyone, you can't do anything, you are locked up for 28 days. So it's not that long to be sectioned, is it? It's just a short month. I'm just thinking, you know, I've had mental health problems. I've been in treatment for a long time. I've had diagnosis. And So what were your diagnoses? Um, I've been diagnosed with uh, PTSD, extreme PTSD. Well, of course. Um, I mean, you went through... You went through the, the most horrific yeah. thing I could possibly ever imagine. So it was, and it was where, you know, I wasn't admitted, but I had agoraphobia, I couldn't leave the house, depression, anxiety. So, you know, I do understand and I, and I do know that 28 days, okay, it's intense because you're in a secure unit with professionals, but... No, 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 no one spoke to me. Right. I didn't see a doctor Well, tell us about days. it because we don't know about... Like, no, we so think what, we know, but we don't know. You know, come on, tell well, us. Well, what happened was I, when I went in there... They said, oh, there's no doctors available. So I was in there 28 days in a room with a guy that sat outside my door uh, to make sure I was not going to kill him. Yeah. I was never going to do anything like that, but you've got that. And that was it. No doctors, no nothing. 28 mm-hmm. days and you just sit there. So you actually weren't in any kind of treatment. You were no, just no, no. It was just like... To just prevent lock- you harming yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I know. Really, I mean, it was... I met some wonderful people when I was in there. Still I in met, touch like, with them now? Um, yeah, a few of them. I met like an amazing designer, a film director. Uh, we were all just like shoved in and not given the care. So I think that's the reason I wanted to write about it and talk about it mm. because there are people that actually genuinely need someone to talk to, mm. talk to them. Whereas I didn't get it. It didn't really bother me. I was just like, oh, do you know what? It's another. It's another, it's another gale day. <laughs> so what happened on discharge? Like, did you were you t- were you kind of prepped for discharge? It's going to happen no, on this not, day, not, or not? So no, I went into there was like twelve doctors turned up on one day. We hadn't seen any of them the whole time, so they all turned up and they just looked at me and everyone was like writing wee notes down and everything, and they said, "Oh, we're really sorry. You shouldn't have been here." I was like, "Sorry," and they said, "Well, you, well, you can go now." 
But I, when I went in, I was given like tablets, like nonstop. I don't know how you did you get given I didn't because my so obviously for me when I was admitted to hospital it was on a burns unit and then I was in a coma and then as soon as I woke up I was I had a psychologist psychiatrist straight away so I was in like everyday therapy and I was discharged after three months and then I came back twice a week for therapy and I'm, I'm still in uh, trauma therapy now um, and you know I haven't I haven't taken meds, but that's not a I'm an anti meds person, but I have had a lot of issues and a lot of problems, and I still do. So I'm you know and you know I've, I have a Burns charity, and lots of the people that I work with and I'm friends with do take meds, and it's given them a brilliant recovery. So I, do, I it, don't take meds at any point. I think it's a very personal decision, and it's a medical yeah. decision because meds do save a lot of people's lives. You know. So I I don't I I don't feel like I could take the stance of oh certain people should or shouldn't because who who is anyone to kind of no I think it's, it's a personal it's a personal yeah. thing I mean I was given it when I was sectioned yeah and do you know what I took it the reason I took it I just wanted to sleep mm-hmm. because I suffer from insomnia and then suddenly they say you're a little bit crazy mm. and I was just like do you know what just give me whatever and now that I'm I don't always say back to normal, but you know, I'm living my own life. I yeah. don't take anything whatsoever. So after that discharge, you went back to into the community, and then did you ever have any kind of diagnosis? Oh my gosh, um, I think I had I, about four or five. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and did you ever feel any fitted you or no, like... not whatsoever? I just think do you know what, I'm happy, and I've gone through bits and pieces, but. You know, you can give me whatever label you want, but mm. it's never going to sit with me. And this is back to the doc you were talking about. You actually yeah. don't believe in that. So me, me and you, we have a similar part. I mean, I don't even know. I know you don't like labels, but, you know, the climate has changed now. Like we've got Love Island. We've got people go on telly. They can drink on telly. They can have sex on telly. But back in the day when... Are you the same? I'm nearly 36. How old are you? 48. God, you look good. Okay, I thought you were the same age as me. Okay, we're kind of that era of like, you know, you were an FHM model and back then, kind of like showing your bum was quite risky. Back in the 90s? 1999. 1999. Just to be honest with so, you. So Gail um, was a glamour model or a, mod, a lads model? Like, no, what, I was, I was a, no, I worked on top of the box. I was a TV presenter and a writer and then... FHM said to me, would you like to do a quick photo shoot? We've got no money. Um, it's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we all had a few glasses of champagne and then they took a picture of my bottom and they said, we're never going to use it. This is like a Me Too story now. See, I didn't know any of that. So what happened was I was told it was not going to get used and then I woke up in the morning in my tiny little flat in Kilburn, mm-hmm. in London. And um, there was a picture of my bottom on the Houses of Parliament. Mm. It was projected onto the side it of the building. It was projected and it was illegal. So what happened was there was people that worked for FHM that used my image that I had been paid for. Mm-hmm. And uh, at midnight, they projected it for one minute. They called the press. So press were all there to call the pictures huge um, publicity stunt then and then I saw it the next day 
And I just remember my mum phoning me up in the morning. She's going, oh my God, what have you done now? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. But I, I guess you probably didn't even know what she was talking about because you I, I had no clue. Yeah, you had no clue. You were So I was like in the bathroom, brushing my teeth. And then it was I was watching the news. Well, I was listening to the news. And um, yeah, they were like, blah, 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 Gail Porter. And I came out of the bathroom going, BBC News? Are you serious? And you were a household name, Big Breakfast, Live and Kicking, Top of the Pops. You know, you were one of, you know, I, I probably was at school watching you as, you know, one of the presenters. How did you feel about the stunt at the time? I think I was a bit embarrassed more than anything because, I don't know, it was just, I, I was embarrassed that I didn't have the chance to say to my mum and dad, this is going to happen. Mm. And I learned the same way that they did. We learned by watching on the telly. I just felt like, do you know what? They could have just said to me, we're going to do this, but mm. they didn't. My dad still doesn't really talk about it. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, your daughter's bottom. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. Want to, well, she, yeah. Yeah, he probably saw it, yeah, obviously he saw it when I was born, but he doesn't want to see it when I'm like, <laughs> he doesn't want to see it now. What did it do for your career at that time? It was a really difficult thing because it was like, there was a lot of people that were very, they thought it was just a horrible, glamour, girly type thing to do. And then there was other people that said, you know what, you do what you want to do and mm. you're great and you're sticking up for your female rights and you've mm-hmm. got a nice bottom. Um, so it was, yeah, it was it was 50-50. Mm. I got a lot of work and I also, I, I worked with a lot of magazines and I worked with a lot of um, uh like magazines that talk about you know, sexuality and stuff like that. So I got to like see my part. Mm, not just a pretty face. Well, I don't think I've got a pretty face. I think it was a pretty bottom. <laughs> no, it was the whole package. It still is. Well, I, a lot of people don't know about my sexuality. They don't know anything about anything. So it's kind of like, it was, it was, it was quite nice to just go, you know, you don't know about me. Mm. Where, what sort of place were you in personally then? Were you in a good place or a bad place? Or I think that I've always been in a, a mixed up place, if that makes sense. I I always think I'm extremely lucky um, in all the jobs that I've ever done, but I've never felt totally comfortable in my own skin, even when, you know, I had my hair and, you know, I had great things happening for me there was always something in my heart that was just kind of missing a bit so you mean like an imposter syndrome feeling or just a void to be filled or I just I don't know I just always wanted someone to like I don't know it's very difficult to explain it's like you know when I just want to be loved unconditionally Mm. and it never really happened with your parents or well just with anyone really Mm -hmm. You know, there was always kind of like, do this, do that, do that. I just want someone to come home and go, do you know what? You rock. And I was like, do I? Do I? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm needy. My no. daughter always says to me, Mama, you're needy. I disagree. <laughs> I like, no, I think it's a basic need. It's a human basic need that we all look to have fulfilled. I, I don't think that's particularly extra to want acceptance, to want pure love like is that not what babies are born into wanting oh exactly do you know what I love everything and everyone (laughs) well not everyone but do you know what I mean I'm probably like you I just think that when you um when you love someone or you love something Mm. I am unconditional I will do anything for you but that's pure and that that's that's right I, I don't I don't see that as needy I mean when I look at your story and this is why I make the comparisons of me and you um 
So, like, you know, obviously, I'm a, few, I'm a few years younger than you. And so my opinion of Gail Porter was like, wow, I'd love to look like that. She's beautiful. I bet everything's okay in her life. And now, like, in hindsight, now I'm an older woman with some life experience. I know that sometimes when you're famous for your looks and when there's so much emphasis placed on your aesthetics and when you're a presenter and you're popular and you're, and you're working in that world, it's a tough gig to stay that, that when everyone aspires to you like that and sees you like that is not sustainable because it's not real life you know you touched on the airbrushing you know it's like a part of you that the world sees and you show but it's not the pit the full picture and it's it's incredible pressure to stay on that pedestal and, and be that person and you know obviously you know just for me too you can tell there's so much to you there's all different facets to you you're obviously very intelligent empathetic very deep and it's not just your bum. Did you have a moment when you suddenly just thought, yeah, I'm on it now, after everything that happened? Because obviously it must have, I mean, I can't even imagine what you went through. But there must have been a moment when you just thought, you know what, I'm owning this. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it was more trying to, like, uh, have an adult life, like dating, a sex life, and to feel Oh, my God, pretty. what's that like? <laughs> I've not had one of them for I'll, ages. I'll ring you when it happens. All seven. <laughs> <laughs> but... And, and and it was the real, you know, it's nice when your parents tell you, you you're pretty and your friends, female friends tell you and everything like that. But it was like trying to go back into the adult world and the realisation of there is a lot of rejection when, you, you know, you, like lots of like women's mags will empower you and do shoots of you. But real life in the bars and stuff, not everybody wants to like snog you and get your number. So I, I suppose it got to the point where I was like, this is my life. And you must have experienced this on social media and everyone's like, have you tried aloe vera? <laughs> it's not gonna, I, think, you, I think my favourite her, her one was like, oh my gosh, Gail, you should put vinegar and garlic <laughs> yeah. on your head. On your head. Yeah. And I was like, seriously, I yeah. can't get laid and you want me to stink <laughs> yeah. as well? I mean, Are had, you serious? I've had all the aloe vera Texas <laughs> yeah. and I'm just like, I'm like, no. Hun, thanks for the recipe, but my face did melt. And I'm not sure <laughs> that aloe vera from Holland and Barrett oh will gosh. restore that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. So people that don't know, can you talk a little bit about your hair journey? Because you have this amazing kind of journey of empowerment and being authentically you. And uh, Well, gosh, um, what happened was um, I did, um, or I had lots of, lots of um, long blonde hair um, when I was younger. And then I had the most beautiful daughter who turned 17 last week. How? And I know, how does that even happen? <laughs> and... Um, 
I was working in America on a program called Dead Famous. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was like, we were in Las Vegas and we were looking for, I think we were looking for Elvis, as you do. <laughs> Classic. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the normal job that everyone yeah. has. And um, uh, I was with my ex-partner was a cameraman and I woke up in the morning and he's like... Um, Gail, there's, there's just hair everywhere. It's on the floor, it's in the bed. How old were you at this point? Um, so Honey was two. So, yeah, 14 years ago, 15 oh, years okay. ago. Right. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, and it's like, your hair's falling out. And within four weeks... That's quick. I was completely bald. And my ex-husband was in my flat and my daughter was with him. So I phoned up and I said... Um, hi, it's me, I'm in Vegas, just finished my job, I'm totally bald. And he's like, well, that's just a stupid joke. I was like, no, it's not a joke. I I Actually, I don't have any hair. I've got no eyelashes, I've got no eyebrows. Um, I'm kind of freaking out, but I'm going to like be extremely positive. But you have got to tell our daughter. Did you tell production? Because obviously you were getting up and going to work every day. No, they gave me a hat. So they, like... Covering my head up with a, I got a scarf, I got a hat. Um, but I just said to him, I said, I said to Dan, I was like, you have to just tell our daughter mm. because I don't want her to. I remember when my dad had moustache when I was about six, yeah, and I freaked out. I was yeah. like, you got facial hair, and then I'm turning up with like absolutely no hair whatsoever. But I feel like two is so innocent and young. I feel like she wouldn't batter an eye. Well, well, she did not. So no. I got, I got on. Um, it was a virgin, virgin um, airplane. And I was crying my eyes out, just thinking, I don't want to feel sorry for myself because there's a lot worse things that go on. But the only thing I was worried about was my daughter. Of course you were. Seeing yeah. me and just thinking, wow, you know. And it was so rapid, you one know. One minute she's got loads of hair yeah. and the next minute she's turning up bald. So um, it's an identity thing. It's not a vanity thing. It's Yeah, it's, it was just, you know, I, yeah, didn't, I, yeah. I, thought, I was thinking, will she recognise mm. me? Will she understand what's happening? So anyway, the guys in Virgin and the guys and girls, absolutely adorable, lovely, obviously got lots of little bottles of Carver, so that always helped and then um i got home and she just um dan opened the door and he's like wow wow you are old maybe he thought you were being dramatic i or know something. and yeah. i was like oh and then honey just looked at me and she's like rock and roll oh so she did acknowledge it yeah, yeah. and I, I think she thought that i'd done it on purpose right and just shaved so, your head yeah. yeah and there's the innocence of children no judgment it. no and then since then she like well, she's my best friend mm. and she's the best person in the world and she does not does not blink two eyelids, you know, she mm. just doesn't you know, judge. You doesn't... look, you look how you do and I love you. And, and your mum, yeah. So from that day, all those years ago, have you ever worn wigs or experimented with hair replacement or anything like that? Um, I did once, but that was just for um, a TV programme. I think it was Loose Women. Right. And um, it was just to say to other people, because I, I'm not interested in wigs. It doesn't how, bother me. What's your, I know it's a personal choice. What's your reason for not being? Do you know what? I just think I am who I am mm-hmm. and I'm quite happy with the way it is. Mm-hmm. And if people want to, judge me no problem but do you know what also it's quite itchy yeah no seriously <laughs> it's a wee bit I, i'm all about practicality yeah <laughs> exactly and i think do you know what who would not want to get up in the morning and have a two-minute shower yeah absolutely <laughs> but also there's this empowering thing of like it's okay to wear a wig if it's for you but it's not like you don't want to be wearing a wig for other people no exactly like, and that and that's that's what it's about don't you think it's 
Well, yeah. Well, when I did it for Loose Women, what mm. I did was I got this lovely wig and I just, they said, would you like to wear it and talk about it? And so I just wanted to say to other people, if you want to, it's there. you do what you want to yeah. do and you can get it from here and you can do this. Mm-hmm. Personally... And that goes back to like what you said about helping other people and, and yeah. telling them about options and educating. You can do them. whatever you want. Personally, I'm happy. I don't care what anyone thinks about me. And have you faced negative reaction about hair loss? Oh yeah, I think my favourite one was um, I was in West Hampstead, and this guy was in a white van, and he was driving up. He wound down his window and he said, uh, "I can't. I would say the, the proper words." He went, "You bold." In Hampstead, Blimey. I know, you bold biatch. I was like, oh, right, okay. And then it was a red light. How awkward, how socially awkward. So yeah, he'd been an absolute so, twat and yeah. now he was stuck there. So I just went up, knocked on the window and I was like, sorry, do you want to say that again? Yeah, and so I he thought just he was going to drive off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't, he was just like looking forward. I could see his eyes going, please go to green, go to green, go how to green. How weird that he did that because I don't get the um, fulfilment he would get from, from well, that. Do you know what, he obviously had nothing else better to do in the day. And so I just said to him when I, I got the window down because his mate went down the window and I said, you know what? I'm Scottish. I've got two second Dan black belts. I don't care if I'm bald. And also, I've got my period, so I win. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, that. No, make her stop. Make the lady stop. I was like, yeah, don't ever do that to me again. See, this is why I think you're a good guest for the podcast because. <laughs> because you're Scottish. <laughs> yeah. um, no, that because wins. We win. Lots of people listening want advice on how. Because confidence isn't about um, losing weight or getting an expensive car or designer clothes. Confidence is about getting something at the core. And even if you don't consider yourself confident, it takes a lot of um, acceptance to showcase the authentic you. And you do leave the house every day as the authentic you. So how do you get to that point where even if you're facing abuse for your appearance, you carry on regardless because that's that's hard. Well, I don't think I, I don't think it is hard. I get up every morning. I don't care what anyone thinks. I just look at my daughter and I think, Do you know what? I'm the luckiest person in the world. I don't care what I like. I look like. I've got the best friends. I've got you know. So you think support networks a big support thing? Support network is massive. Yeah. You know what? My neighbour downstairs. I know that every single morning I'll get a hello. I yeah. know that the neighbour next door will like. I'll get a hug. That simple interaction. A hug, a cuddle, you know, I've been through bankruptcy, lost my hair, lost my mum, lost all my grandparents. It's a lot of bereavements. A lot of bereavements, but you know what? I get up every morning and then I just think I'm lucky and I want to give my daughter the best life that she could possibly have. Mm, And also my friends. Yeah, it's like I feel like you practice a lot of gratitude and you Absolutely. have a good perspective on life. And is sport been a big part of your life? I run a lot. Yeah, that's what I th- from my stalking, that's what I thought. <laughs> Are you headphones on, a couple of K, or you sprint? What do you do? What's About your... 5K. Oh, wow. Okay, you're impressive. That's good. Not really. But then I sort of walk, and then I... And also, I've got, like, my friend's dogs. I take my friend's dogs yeah. out. I love animals. I right. absolutely adore animals. So if I can take them for a run or something like that... Um, I think gyms are a wee bit too expensive. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a bit intimidating. Yeah, I get, I get, yeah. yeah. I think I'm, I'm extremely, I can be positive when I'm out and about, when no one's looking, I've got a wee hat on. Mm. But when I go to a gym, I do feel a little bit intimidated. I think that's the only time I feel intimidated. Yeah. What helps you feel positive? 
uh, dogs, cats, happy people, and great music. <laughs> what do you listen to when you run? What's uh, your... When I listen to, I, I still listen to um, Run Run with the Wolves by the Prodigy. Oh, yeah, Keith. yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of like amazing song to listen to, but also heartbreaking. But yeah. it always makes you laugh and smile. And um, other than that, what else do I listen to? Or anything, my daughter. My daughter just like because she's cool in. and young. The yeah. killers, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the killers. We do. I'm yeah. the man because I think I am the man sometimes. <laughs> and with the running and stuff, like, has it helped you? Do you ever set any like I don't know. I know you do a lot for charity. Do you sort of set goals and aims and no do charity goals. runs or like? No, you don't have like a focal point or anything like that. I did the Three Peaks Challenge. Have you heard of? Yeah, that? of course I have. Have you done yeah. it? Bloody hell, no. <laughs> Like, I was like 5k at the park run and want a medal for that. Like, cool. So it's three mountains in 24 hours. Yes, it is. And I'm scared of heights. <laughs> oh my God, you just cracked it. It was just absolutely the worst thing I've ever done. But it was, I mean, we, we, we got so much money for Mind's charity. That, oh, great. Yeah. Okay. So, and euphoric feeling at the end? No. Oh. I, uh, <laughs> I love the honesty. <laughs> Listen, you're so self-deprecating, so I know you won't even let me say this, but you are the title of the podcast. You are an extraordinary person. And Don't make me cry, because honestly, I... <laughs> no, you really are. I'm going through the menopause, so it's all it's all cracking off You're now. kind of not Scottish, you're British, because that British people are self-deprecating. And, you know, I do know people um, that, are affected by alopecia but aren't kind of out there and and you know some people are shaving like men for example are shaving their head every day to hide it some women people are working with them for years and they don't know they're wearing wigs and things like that and you know even if you don't feel like you are like you are this beacon of light for people not just of alopecia like you are that person for me like I've I've can't sleep sometimes at 4am and I look at your feed I, no 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 on, gills no. up yeah she'll, she'll be up with a cat she'll be up yeah. I have a cat I'm just picture of me and a cat but you, you are you can borrow her but even if you're not actively trying to be you are and I just wondered like you know we're coming to the end of the episode for all the anonymous and visible people that are going through this and don't want anyone to know, and, it, and it's like their dirty secret when it shouldn't be, like, what's your kind of message to them? Because they can't really reach out because it is their secret. And you've been there and you're, you're a trailblazer, you are. I would say, do you know what? Life is so extremely short and... I understand that some people want to cover things up and mm. are, are embarrassed. Mm. Shame's a big thing, isn't it? In society? Yeah, Shame. but personally, you know, when I go to like the shops or I go to Sainsbury's or Tesco's or something, there's always one person that will say, "This is a wig girl," and uh, they want to like, yeah. And are you shocked or you you feel no? You I'm just it, like, or? but I love the fact that they want to tell me. They want to connect with you. Does but it do I, your head in sometimes? Well, no, not in the slightest, but I just, I, it does my head in the fact that they don't want to be open, just go, you know, and I feel sad because I think, do you know what, you're beautiful and you're wonderful, but I understand that there's a bit of shame or they're embarrassed about the way they look and I just want to say to them, do you know what, you rock, we mm. all rock, yeah. we've only got one life, you just like, if you want to cover it up, you want to wear a wig, you want to cover up the way you look, you want to wear makeup, whatever you want to do, do it. I don't wear makeup. I don't wear a wig. I am who I am. And I've got great friends. And I just think if I can do something great for other people, then I win. 
mask. Do you know what? That has just ended the podcast so well and summarised everything. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing your documentaries. It's going to be on BBC One. It's going to be out yeah. soon. January. January. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we can, if we want to follow you on Twitter. It's just Gil Porter. Gil Porter. What about Instagram? What's your name? On- um, Instagram, <laughs> I am Gil Porter. Twitter, Gil Porter. Uh, phone number is, no, I'm joking. <laughs> well, you have been a, an extraordinary guest, so thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this, please help us spread the word. Rate and review the show where you got this or share on socials.